You guys want to set it off? <laughs> Certainly. Today is the greatest day that I have ever known. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, Mr. Nathan Harrison. Hey, hey. Mr. Adam Buncher. Yo. And... Mr. Andrew McDonald. Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm very well. How are you? I'm fucking tops. This is huge. Oh, man. Everything you're going to be hearing today, it's it's big fucking business. Probably the most monumental bracket that we've encountered. Oh, yeah. it's the legacy pretty fucking songs. unreal. I, like, I really struggled coming to this just because like these are songs that so many people have talked about before. This yeah. is us talking about Swoop. You know, yeah. where it's like, we get to be the first people to say anything about yeah. Swoop. We are this the is, authority on Swoop. Yeah. This is actually, we've often talked about each episode being like a weird mixtape. This isn't a bad EP. This is a great EP. Oh, this man, is yeah. like, if people, particularly that were around then, are putting together a bunch of five songs to talk about 1994. Yeah. Could this be would have a lot of crossover with yeah. a lot of people. Normally, we have songs. to do like a lot of research and like find out like, who was this band? Like, why did, was this song so popular? And this is just like, well... Yeah, whether you know it or not, you're going to know the songs that we're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Should we crack into it? I think we shall. Can't wait. I, I think I can hear the ice, ice cream van rolling up. It's slowly getting closer. That sweet little riff is kicking in. Oh, man. It's taking me back right now. Back to those glory days. When that narcissistic fuck brain actually had hair. <laughs> oh, I don't think him losing hair was what made him a fuckhead. <laughs> you make that sound like he had hair. Yeah, and but he was the more, the less hair he had, the more of a fuckhead he was. You could see, you could, you could see more of the fuckhead. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> okay, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Smashing Pumpkins today. Number 25 in the 1994 Hottest 100 with a little ditty you'll know as today. In brackets, or how Billy Corgan does or does not deal with pressure. Yeah, pretty much. It's how pretty Billy, much it. How Billy Corgan does or does not deal with there being other people with girls to kiss. Oh. He has no girls to kiss. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Why man. not more girls to kiss? <laughs> yeah. This song started off, basically, it was the first song that uh, Corgan wrote and very much I say Corgan, not the Pumpkins, because there are great lengths that are gone to on the internet to say that Corgan did pretty much everything on this yep. track, including playing most of the instruments because that's the way it had to be. This is You're beginning to see the stress coming through a little bit here. But kind of warranted, because after Gish, 
everyone was saying these guys are the next Nirvana, which is, I think, if you were a rock band in the 90s, they probably one of the worst things that yeah, anyone could yeah. possibly say about you at that time. And it was Especially getting thrown in 1994, around. after yeah, what the yeah. fuck just happened. But it was getting thrown around a lot as well, yep. so it's not even just the pressure. You're getting lumped in with a lot of bands. Yeah, which is kind competition. of Gin, Blo- Gin Blossoms were going to be the next thing. Yeah, yeah, that. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, the Pumpkins, you know, they were a lot of people's front runner for this highly contested prize. So, yeah, we have this intense cooking pot where Billy Corgan basically is in a really, really bad place. And this is where this song came from, where basically he was at such a low, depressed, pressurized point that he ended up thinking very dark, very suicidal thoughts. And from that, he came up with the idea of writing a song when you've come to terms with that darkness, saying, well, huh, ironically, this is the this is the greatest day of my life. You know, like, yeah. it's a very dark song, but done in that pixie style. Yeah, kind sure. of, yeah. That's the ball. I just not in terms of that. It sounds like the Pixies, but the, for me, the Pixies are the trope makers for that. It's a joyous sounding song, but it's miserable. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It becomes one of those things that we were talking about with Hole a couple of episodes back, Andrew and Nathan and David. My friends, or my friends who are all sitting here. Hey. Uh, we were talking about lyrics that reveal more because of the inclusion and that's what it's what it says about the person who decided to include them mm. i think that's that's a lot of the lyrics in this track because the lyrics themselves read like year 10 poetry you exactly can look at them on paper exactly yeah. but i think billy corgan at the time was feeling some year 10 uh, poetry inspired feels <laughs> um but to its credit the result is something that i think is incredibly comforting it's incredibly warm incredibly comforting the tempo is kind of lulling the the lick at the beginning is is way too iconic and way too yeah, beautiful it's so distinctive yeah but it does just kind of lull you into that and despite the the dark lyrics and whatever i think like the result you get as a listener is it's not even catharsis it's not even like you listen to an incredibly angsty song and you feel all the angst and you get purged from it the, the feeling you get from this song isn't even angst it's about angsty things but it's dealt with in a really lush mm. chill it's a reassurance way it is an incredibly yeah. reassuring yeah. song this, i'm glad you brought up the texture because i think something about this song which i connected with quite quickly before i even had the terminology to connect with this particular aspect is the textures of the guitar is very very post Kevin Shields shoegazy kind of textures yeah. like there's a lushness right. and a, a, a sustained tone in the um, the heavier parts which I think really stands up as a hangover from that uh, shoegaze sound and then the softer parts even at times remind me of The Cure as well Yeah, and I don't so. like but again part of uh, in terms of my own pleasure for the song it's the fact that those elements like the lyrics are sad but they're not crazily depressing the right. texture is kind of shoegazy but not repetitive enough for me and it's lush but it's not cure lush so as such I like but do not love the song but sure. I think that's really? enough yeah. yeah which is enough for me for the pumpkins with my connection with them as it I is mean, at this point I'm definitely in love with the Smashing Pumpkins up to and including this point they were just making so many fucking great songs I love yeah like the energy of the song the contrast and the emotions and that really strong guitar layering on this record mm. uh, in that chorus bit so you've got that big fuzzy overdrive like the down 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 which is why and you the- come to the pumpkins which is yeah, at yeah, least yeah. why I 
I always come back to the pub. Oh, and then that just singular, kick. that singular lick over the top of the that, that bend. Yeah. It's how like it's so iconic. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it Before I knew this me, song, yeah. like I knew that, and it's it's just a bent note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all it is. But it, it's so effective and such a part of the song. It reminds me of um the guitar scratches in Creep. The mm, yeah. like that that's so part of the song, and that's what you immediately associate it with. <laughs> Little details. Know? I grew up watching the music video for this song, so uh, I have a very deep connection with that. It's a beautiful video. And that's what you're talking about with the ice cream. Yes, yeah, indeed. And everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, Which is based off a true story, I think. I think so, yeah. Billy Corgan used to be... There was a, a man who drove around handing out ice cream. In yeah, a it's true. Yeah. Well, I met, he, I met he, him once. He quit, and he <laughs> gave all the ice cream away. That's, that's the story. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's where I came when I was saying not having girls to kiss, because yeah. the song has these incredible 90s moments where mm, it's very he's cringy. looking at... People People kissing and he looks at them and then they fade away because he is not them. And it's, yeah. very, it's very sad not <laughs> and, having girls to kiss. And on that, there is that section of lyrics which I think is fucking wonderful that it's included. That just I want to turn you on section. It's just like, what's this got to do with yeah, what you're talking like, about? Huh? But it's got everything to do with it because I think like you're talking about like year ten boy feels. Yeah. Like yeah. oh, nailed it. So not only are we are we really sad, but we are horn dogging like a mad bro. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it just comes out of it's a complete non sequitur. That was actually the working title of this album. Yeah. Horn dogging like a mad bro. It's just like, like it's great. Glad just... glad they went with Siamese dream. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a reason that this was one of the things that blew them up to superstar status. Yeah, because yeah. this is incredibly exemplary of that kind of nineties disaffected you have to be ironic. Mm, like you can't not sure. be ironic. Like yeah. the fact that the song is so depressing and cheerful and reassuring and hopeless. Mm-hmm. Those contrasting aspects give that weight of that nineties irony, which is so important to the nineteen nineties and why pumpkins well, were so massive at the time. It's iconic 90s. Yeah. You can yeah, get much more iconic sure. 90s than today. Like, if you wanted to communicate the tone of rock at the time, this is an absolutely sterling example to bring mm, across. Yeah. This, to me, this is a much easier song than the other Pumpkin songs we've talked about. I think, to their credit, the other songs, you kind of have to go to the Pumpkins and meet them in their world, whereas this one kind of meets you halfway. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot to get in if you really dig, but... This is a very accessible, easy song to listen to, and that's why I think it did so big and it blew up. And it's kind of copped a lot of flack since then for popularising the Pumpkins with the college crowd and with, right. with jocks and, and whatever, mm. and taking them a bit out of that darker alternative crowd. Mm. And they'll be back. Oh, yes, they will be back. At number 24, this is Green Day with Basket Case. Do you have the time? To listen to me whine About nothing and everything all at once I am one of those Melodramatic fools Neurotic to the bone, no doubt about it Sometimes I give myself the creeps Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me it all keeps setting up I think I'm cracking up And I'm just paranoid I'm just up I went to a shrink To analyze my dreams She says it's like a sex that's bringing me down I went to a Number 24 in the 1994 Hottest 100 with a little ditty called Basket Case. 
there are essentially two generations of Green Day fans. You have the Nimrod slash Dookie people, so basically the people that got into them in the 90s, and then you have the American Idiot Kids. So that was the kids that were too young, or in in some cases weren't even born, uh, when Dookie came out, and uh, discovered them when they had a career resurgence about 10 years ago with the record American Idiot. Thanks, George W. Bush. (laughs) (laughs) The best thing to have in a punk rock since the Ramones. Oh, (laughs) fucking A, dude. (laughs) We were living large back in the day, man. It was, funnily enough, a great time to be left. (laughs) (laughs) So... I come into the picture around 1998 when Green Day have their massive hit single, Time of Your Life. It's a bit of a misnomer, having the acoustic ballad as your biggest hit. But um, not long after that, a couple of years after that, uh, they put out a greatest hits record called International Super Hits. That was a present, I believe, for my 11th or 12th birthday. And I have not looked back uh, since then. I... Fucking love Green Day. All Green Day? Hashtag not all Green Day. Well, you know, it's a valid <laughs> question because you, you identify, obviously, as a Nimrod Dookie kid. Yeah, for sure. Everything up to and including American Idiot, I am all for. 21st Century Breakdown was abysmal. Mm. It was a fucking That is ter- what people say. Oh. What about Uno, Dos, and Trey? Um, <laughs> patchy. Very, very patchy record. That's no no that, fucking that, way should they have put out three records when they could barely put together a decent EP out of those three <laughs> albums. But um, when they're on, they're fucking on, man. I just love the reckless abandon and the, the snottiness and just the nasty give a fuck what anyone thinks. I'm just going to get blazed and skateboard all day. Fuck you, mom. <laughs> I love that. But there's so much heart. In early Green Day, it's genuinely well-meaning music. I feel. I'd say so. Yeah. For you know sure. what I mean? It's yeah. it's not it's not the punk that sneers and just wants to tear everything down and whatever. Like Green Day is for the children. Like it's for the children. And I think this song probably is if I was constructing this as an argument is the absolute centerpiece for that like like i talked about today being a comforting song this is like three times more comforting than that and <laughs> i have a story about this song actually oh, when really? i was when I, yeah when i was in high school um which i think is the way every story about this song should start <laughs> yeah. but it, it doesn't start with green day it starts with fallout boy I um I was in high school, so it was okay for me to like him. And dude, I still like Fallout. Boy. It was okay for me to sue me. It was okay for me to go and see Fallout Boy live. Um, I did that a couple of months ago. Get on my level. <laughs> and about three quarters of the way through the set, we have Pete Wentz who stands up the front and comes to the microphone, and he announces that he's going to play a song that saved his life, and they play a cover of Basket Case, and I think that's an amazing note for what this song is. It's a song that didn't just save someone's life. It saved Pete Wentz's life. And it saved people like Pete Wentz, you know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. people who have a lot In before of... before Andrew says, were they worth saving, though? Full of boy are garbage. <laughs> but, and, but the melody is absolutely... The songwriting is, is a masterclass. Like, the yeah, melody totally. is absolutely perfect. The lyrics are wonderful and simple, full of humour, full of heart. You connect to it instantly. Yeah. And if you were going through anything that was like this... Or that you could relate to it because it was written uh, by Billy Joe because he said he was going through it and in his own words the only way I knew how to deal with what I was feeling was to write it in a song and yeah, put yeah. it out there which I think is wonderful and honest in itself and that's probably why it has so much heart but there's so little judgement in it all it's honest and heartfelt and there and that's why people are so easily able to connect to it that's why it saves lives um, that's, that's why it's endured and then yeah, it become an amazing yeah. song. Yeah. But this song does a really interesting thing where it takes the introspection of grunge and makes it 
self-deprecating fun. Yeah. Yeah. That is really easy to lock into and bank on that line. With. That's incredible. Yes. That's like, exactly. And I think what a lot is. of pop punk does that. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I think pop punk as a genre is the kind of like because it, it's, it's such a punchline of a genre. Viewing pop punk from the lens of punk puts it as this absolutely worthless watered down version of punk rock but to view it as a as a twist on pop music yeah. I think puts it in much better stead I, that's I why, think so that's yeah, a good call because that way you're just viewing it as what is essentially like pop music but it just happens to have a distorted guitar in it and I think that's yeah. a better way to view bands and I think for me Green Day have always fallen in between like smack bang in terms of tone and I guess also in terms of how much I enjoy them between Blink on the low end and The Offspring on the high end yeah. of, <laughs> of pop punk um, I quite enjoy those first few Green Day records um, I think I, I have a weird nostalgic love for um, Nice Guys Finish Last, the song. Oh, I think. yeah, fuck I yeah. adore that song, like, way too much. I'm, I remember, I think I watched the video endlessly when, in earlier, like, pre-YouTube days, finding it on the internet and watching it so often. Motherfucker, I had that shit on VHS. That's Interna- even better. <laughs> yeah, to go with international super hits, they put out a VHS called International Super Videos. That's yeah. wonderful. So you, ju- you, mm. you couldn't just cut to one of the songs that you wanted. <laughs> you had to watch the whole fucking thing, and I did. A lot. And I think that's the kind of thing with Green Day and I guess pop punk in general, but particularly Green Day, it rewards that kind of repeti- repetitive listen because it's mm. so... Like it's an easy in to what is ostensibly punk-styled music. Like, I think when John Lydon had a crap on them about them being a watered-down piece of shit band, <laughs> like that, that, that's worthwhile. Well, it's and good to hear from an expert on the matter. Yeah, Let's that, be fair. It's worthwhile, and he's a washed-up, worthless yeah. musician himself. And Paul McCartney so he said know. that the Sex Pistols were just the, uh, another band playing Chuck Berry. Yeah. So. Oh, dude, 100%. Yeah. Like, they it, were the it, first boy band. Every, every band is garbage <laughs> <laughs> music music is awful i hate listening to things music uh, is what crap. is going on how did yeah. we get here <laughs> the point is this is, a, this is a very he's good having like an existential crisis this, oh, i just don't know what's happening what the fuck am i doing here we start talking about green day and all of a sudden it goes to pete wentz and now all music <laughs> is bad this is a good song i think this, this, this song works and i think um like i think green day now they're a punchline Mm. And like, they're, a, they're a fucking signifier I think someone who really likes modern Green Day it's easy for me to say we're not going to get along musically like, <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's a, I understand okay I'm like, that's fine we can connect in other ways maybe when I was in high school ah. because that's how we have to start this is Pete Wentz in your story too? he's really <laughs> not he's really really not Adam I'm sorry I I quickly skirted through pop punk uh, particularly just one Blink and one Offspring album and then straight into... Enema of the State in no. Americana? No. Dude Ranch? No. no. C- conspiracy of One and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket? Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice! Nailed it. Yes! You were there. So. <laughs> we, were, <laughs> we, we went to high school together. I'll say it. I'll say Inside it. Conspiracy of One. Underrated. Great yeah. record. No, no. Great record. But Good I, shit. Good I skirted through that quickly and then found my way with Andrew into punk. And so I kind of skipped Green Day and was never very interested in going back and checking it out. Even though, you know, obviously Dookie gets so much love from people that aren't even into pop punk or whatever. Like, it's not... Because it's yeah. fucking unreal. It's not a great pop punk record. It's a great record. record. It, yeah. But I've never been that interested in going back. I, you know, I have like a cursory knowledge of them. This is a great song. I think it's interesting and, and great that we get to talk about this song first. Even though Longview was the lead single from this album. Yeah. Um, and the very much the breakthrough single. Yeah. And even though we're going to talk about Offspring a bit later on as well, for this to be the first pop punk song in this countdown, I think is wonderful. This sure, like, yeah. Just in terms of our own narrative going through this countdown, this like pop punk is here right now. Like, yeah, bam. Yeah. We're you know we're going to talk about yeah, Green agree. Day again very soon. Indeed, this song gives you if you've never been into punk or anything like that, it gives you all of the tools to love the song, 
before the punk stuff starts. Yeah. That like you mm. get through a whole verse and chorus, all of the hooks, all of that wonderful melody before the drums start at all. Oh, and don't they start? And so even if you don't like punk, by the time the punk stuff is happening, you're already on board with it as a pop song. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's why it works wow. better to view pop punk and this song as pop music yeah. rather than punk music because it gives you a very accessible doorway fair. into the yeah. music Absolutely. without yeah. alienating you. Compared to if you put on like the first... If you listen to the... Like, I hate to always. No, I don't. I love bringing up the Dead Kennedys. If you put on Dead Kennedys' record, that puts you in a harsh zone from the word go, and yeah. it's meant to alienate you. This is meant to draw you in, and it's meant to be good. Yeah. It's meant to be enjoyable. And by the time the yeah. song kicks in, you've got everything you need to be singing along with it before yeah. it's over. Man, and I think that's such perfect crafting of, of pop and pop punk. When the full band kicks in, like it really does show like the strength of the sum of the parts of the band. Like Trey Cool just fucking goes Ape shit on the fucking drums, yeah. man. Like he's he's he's, he's like feels and just just the way he plays on this, like with that those big splashy hi hats and that thwacking snare, and the way Mike comes into the to the main bit with the like it's just yeah. it's so pop up, it's so good. These little, he's, little he's, yeah. flares are really nice. Yeah, he's also a fantastic harm like a harmony vocalist. The harmony is really wonderful. Yeah, like he or yeah. Well, he has many years of experience under his belt. His face would imply. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. What we, was, were talk- we were talking we, yeah. about this. Mike Dirt looks old as fuck. Yeah, and he always <laughs> and, has. And did. Yeah. yeah, he looks. He, he looked old as fuck when he was a kid. He hasn't aged. Yeah. from then to now. He, he looked then 40s. as old as yeah. he is now. Almost. Yeah, he, he was twenty one <laughs> at this point, uh, but he looked about fucking sixty two. Yeah, you know? but those backing vocals do the same thing. It's just more tools for you to engage with the song as a pop song mm. before. You have to deal with it as a punk song, yeah. which means like people that people that would never like punk songs are gonna love this song because you just you in it already. There's a reason that they are popular and successful. Yeah, I think the the vocals are really important as well because if it if it didn't have more than one voice, it would seem like too personal a song potentially. Mm. But, but it's fun. It, it lets you know that yeah. this is a fun song. You can have fun with this. Exactly. And you it's, o- sing and it's okay if you feel like it? this. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it, it, this is more than one person's story. This is everyone kind of thing. And I love the quote that um, that Billy Joe has since delivered that he says, like, he doesn't he doesn't associate with the song in terms of what he what he wrote now because he, sure. he's, he's moved past it. He doesn't quite feel he's that, a dad that way. Now, you know? He's like not, 40, You should never associate with anything that you wrote when you were in your, like, teens, early 20s if you're an adult. You should never associate with anything that you wrote. I think that's a bit harsh. No, if you did, if you do, you haven't grown. Well, I think there are some things that you can feel as a teenager that as, uh, are fundamental to the human experience. It could potentially fundamental carry to the teenage human experience. <laughs> I don't know, man. There are some things in there that you feel that haven't really changed. Burn your past. <laughs> <sighs> It's a miserable episode for Andrew. Oh my god. You okay? You're you right. Yeah. All music is bad. Is, this a, your is this a podcast I, or an intervention? No, I think I think this Andrew is in a really good mood. This is how we know. <laughs> but he's yeah, he since said that when he plays this live, he sees other people in the crowd having their moment. And he's like, right, that song's now about them. Oh yeah. When I saw That's, which is lovely. When yeah. I saw Grand Day last year at Soundwave, like when he mentioned, oh, 20 years ago we put out this record, I just saw everyone around me just go, fucking yes! <laughs> like, we're going to fucking get some dookie fucking happening right the fuck now. So Wait, many- did I say 20? I meant three. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, three years out. ago yeah. we put out an album called Nope. Uh, nope, 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 nope. Put out nope, an nope, album nope. called Dose. I know it's a fan favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so we will uh, we'll press pause on our Green Day conversation. Yeah, we'll see you soon, and uh, we will return after these regularly scheduled programs. 
At number 23, it's you and I with Bell and Chef. UMI at number 23 in the 1994 Hottest 100. Andrew, I have, a, I have a fucking bone to pick with David, you, David, you'll be very, very happy to know that this you will floor, not have to lie this down. This floor has served as my only friend when talking about UMI this season. You will recall that I was in the minority with not liking that song. I didn't even dislike it. I thought it was alright. <laughs> but you'll be happy to know that you will not be having to visit the floor in this discussion because this song is, I think, the bridge between what UMI were and what UMI became with Hourly Daily and Hi-Fi Way. What, well, when you disparagingly use the term guitar rock, this is as great as guitar rock can be. This is a wonderful, excellent song that is carried, not entirely, but largely by the incredible charisma and beautiful vocals of Tim Rogers. This yeah. song yeah. is rock music done honestly and genuinely and just beautifully. This is a beautiful, yeah. lovely song, but it's just so kick-ass and awesome. I love the way that everything about this song sounds. The guitar work is obviously fantastic, but it's oh, again, so it's difficult not to talk about this song and not just gush about how awesome Tim Rogers mm-hmm. is. But I don't yeah. care because Tim Rogers is fantastic in this song. I think this song, certainly more than the other two, this solidifies him as the rock star Tim Rogers. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Like, and the yeah. video does a lot the of video that as well with that jacket. Carries but, it. Oh, that yeah. gorgeous jacket. But like, Tim Rogers has arrived as the person that he will now continue to be. Just all yeah. swagger yeah. and charisma and rock and roll excess. It's fucking wonderful. Yeah. After listening to this song and then we, uh, in like preparing for this, uh, as this was done, I then listened to Hi-Fi Way because yeah. listening to this, I'm like, oh yeah, you and I are really fucking great. And this is the... Yeah, dude. Not that, not that this song came out after the other two. It's all from the same release. But yeah. this is, in terms of chronology, I like that we get to talk about this song after the other two because it seems to me as a like this is what UMI are going to be I hope you're ready for this now because yeah. it's way better than what you knew and I think that really works yeah. do you still see it as being like they're on their way though or is this like a little bit oh here? no this I is think, an to arrival me, to me this is a, the peak of sound as ever in my opinion I, I, exactly I think it's the peak of sound as ever which yeah. is not as good as our daily or no definitely way. not I wouldn't say it's the final breath of like not excellent UMI it's the start it's like the inhalation of the great UMI I think they've arrived yeah. but it's like I think, I start, I think it's a bridge. Right. See, I, I, I think it's opening this, a door. I mean, this is like... Probably, this is the best new my song for me. Like, this this, this is people talk tier, yeah. People yeah. talk about this song oh, as being one of the finest Australian rock songs of all time. And of I all mean, time, yeah. Well, I pay it. The finest rock songs. Like, yeah. but I mean, perfect. But I mean, like, I, I feel like adding in of this country isn't because you want to limit the field it's because this is an Australian yeah, song it really it is. is iconically Australian and I loved uh, the Tim Rod. you talk about Tim Rogers' vocal performance which of course it is all about 
yeah, there are mistakes. That's what the but song's that's, about. That's it. It's so it's so it's, perfect yeah, for that. It's perfect, so raw. Yeah. Like it, when he when he does that uh, that massive scream and really really goes for it. It's not perfect. It's too late. Like yeah. it's, it's it's off. It's a little bit off, but yeah, it's, it's so it wonderful for that. Yeah. Like, Do you want rock music without an edge? Fucking hell. Yeah, well, exactly. Those moments of fragility and vulnerability that are just like scattered throughout this incredibly powerful performance. I mean, that's the song. That's it. He's talking about acknowledging flaws and faults, but wanting to give everything to another person. That yeah. ultimate self sacrifice. Desperation, it, desperation, desperation. This yeah. is sure. truly a kind of. This is one of those songs where I, I love there being songs that signify a certain thing, and I think this is the kind of song that if somebody didn't like, it'd be a real okay. What we turn to for rock music is different. Mm. We, we, sure. we, we are looking for very different things. If you don't love this song, yeah. I think there's a quote from a music critic that says, at the end of this song, you are left exhausted but elated. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You have nothing else left to give. After that's two it. minutes, 40, which oh, is... It's oh, so it's so short. God. It's yes. so yes. wonderfully yes. short. It just cracks in. Yes. It's just unbelievable power There's, pop, not, there's not a second in there that doesn't need to be in there. And yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's it, so yeah, good. It just fucking kicks the door down. Like, from the second it starts, like, it's so distinctive and... It immediately identifiable, you know. Yeah. You just I, want to sing along. All I hate is that we're not listening to it right now. Yeah. I, I am permanently hating that. <laughs> I give all my aches to you is such a beautiful line. Is like, that sorry? I, I yeah. read a, a lot a lot of forum posts that thought it was all my eggs. Yes, my eggs. I thought, you know, <laughs> all my eggs. I thought it was you. like you're putting you're putting all your eggs in one basket. I thought that's uh, that's kind of I well, thought you, it was. You're doing the shopping for your missus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, quite man. certain that it's aches. Yes, indeed. That is the first so is time Tim. I've heard the proper so lyric. So is Tim, yeah. I, oh, I, I thought oh, it was eggs. Oh, and Andy Kent throwing in the ah, far down. Fucking like, beautiful. Yeah. Again, like like um Mike's backing vocals in, in Basket Case. Like, it adds so much to the song. And it, and it takes a bit of the manic away yeah, from... Yeah, from it grounds what, it yeah. in, in some, like, a bit of pop yeah, sensibility. Because, you know, he's openly admitting just being a constant fuck up in this song you know like opening line if half of what I'm saying is true that's like that's like a poor place to start from yeah if, if you're making your case like indeed the best I can go yeah. for is half true oh yeah. it's beautiful I love it though yeah it's a fucking incredible masterclass in songwriting like yeah Tim Rogers is just one of those guys. He always has been. Where I just want to get inside his head and just figure out how he got to that point. You know, like see, but that's the I, thing. I, do, I, you, I, do you really? It'd be sad. No, no. he's he's doing this for us. It's I, not I know. Great. I just I love this like the ideas behind these stories and you know just wanting to get into that mindset. You well, know, start, like, start um, drinking way more. <laughs> he's a, yeah, he was a miserable alcoholic and he managed to channel it into something beautiful. Yeah, it's true. And you know that it was uh, it was inspired by a sculpture. Is that right? The Berlin, the Berlin chair. The Berlin chair. In Canberra. I, I looked it up. It's a, it's nice. But um, I think I think actually though, like going a little bit more into it, if you look at the sculpture, it's really rigid and it's got all these shapes and this geometry and straight lines and right. all that kind of stuff like that. And I think like for someone who is really down and doesn't feel like they're keeping themselves together yeah. to see something of such structure and Just and ground you, yeah. Yeah, you know, like if you ask someone's Berlin chair, like you know, it, it makes sense when you look at it for sure. Yeah. I want to wrap this up with uh, my favorite Berlin chair memory. It was Australia Day 2013, and you and I were playing a show at the Annandale Hotel. And uh, as was their want, as was their want, <laughs> as is Australia's want. Yep, <laughs> that was the night I met Murray Wiggle for the first time. So it was already a fucking top night. I didn't think it get get any better. But then for the final song, and they went on at like eleven o'clock and played through until like one in the morning, and they just kept fucking going. And the last, 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 last song was Berlin Chair, 
And it just brought the fucking house down. Everyone was up front, just fucking going for it, singing as fucking loudly as they could. And then after that, too late, after that, in that final instrumental bit, Dan Rule, one half of the Rule brothers who ran the Annandale Hotel for many, many years, he just got this fucking look at his eye. Like, he was in his, like, late 40s or whatever but he just went fuck it I'm a fucking teenager again fucking ran on stage fucking jumped up and down a couple of times and then fucking leapt into the crowd and crowd surfed all the way to the back and it was the fuck and it was amazing like then they all just threw down their instruments Tim Rogers goes support this fucking pub slams the mic down and fucking storms off and it was the best fucking ending to you and my I've seen you and my like eight or nine times and that was the best fucking ending to any of their shows that I've seen that's a bittersweet tale now yeah yeah, nice. yeah. Right, so that that was that was the first Annandale show of what would be the last year of Annandale shows. Mm. So yeah, right. yeah, very very sad to see that place go. But as long as I have memories like that, you know, like yeah. that place will always fucking live. So long live the Annandale, long live the Rural Brothers, long live Timmy, Timmy Rogers, and long live you fucking am fucking I. Why was this not number one? Why not? Why was this not number one? Yeah, good fucking call. I really thought it was eggs. <laughs> I was fine Actually, with that. I was fine with eggs. I can see uh, why you would. Yeah, it's, it's fine. One more quick Berlin story. Uh, Miff Warhurst, the wonderful, wonderful Miff Warhurst, uh, former Triple J presenter, on one of her first ever shifts at Triple J, played Berlin chair, left the mic on, and sang along to the whole oh, thing. That's great. <laughs> what a way to, like, instantly ingratiate yourself to Australian music. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's perfect. That's yeah. like, you know, that's like radio stuff up. That's like one point already, but then like singing along to sing, a song, that's adorable. It. Another check, but that song being Berlin Chair, it's just like, yeah. cool. Everyone I, is yes. on board with you now. Yeah. I, I, I think after that, yeah. might say that it was intentional, but, oh, I, but, fuck but I am no cynic. <laughs> 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 I see you there, man. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you couldn't even look me in the eye when you said I am no cynic. <laughs> You couldn't even do it. Oh, <laughs> fucking beautiful. Oh. Good night. Hey, Nathan. Yep. You know what time it is, buddy? I know what time it is. You're hyped. No. Have you missed, have you missed Chris? I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> We've been spending time apart. It's been fine. <laughs> it's better for the kids. <laughs> it's better for everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, you've waited long enough. You've fallen on black days. You've stolen the rhythm with the Spoonman. Spoonman! Spoonman! You have even kept on their wave. But now, for the fourth and final time in the 1994 Hottest 100, we give you Soundgarden! 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 This is Black Hole Sun.
Soundgarden. At number 22, in the 1994 Hot 100, the song was Black Hole Sun. This is the fourth song in the countdown to feature Soundgarden. So yeah. they are they officially took out the title for the most songs in the countdown. Most Soundgarden. So we're going to go to our resident sound gardener and Is Chris- it me? Oh, it's not. It's time for Sound Gardening Australia. <laughs> <laughs> this is magnificent mulch. Oh, I like what Cornell's done here. Yeah. Look, Look at this crunchy mulch. <laughs> you can really taste the angst in the mulch. It's just fantastic. You're just a Scottish person. Sean <laughs> <laughs> Connery. Just slowly just morphed it. Suck it, Trebek! So yeah, this is the song that people know Soundgarden for. If you were going to say, what is the Soundgarden song? Regrettably, they the don't Soundgarden say Spoonman. Spoonman! Mm. Thank you, David. Um, they say Black Hole Sun. It has endured as one of... Black Hole Sunman! <laughs> Reaching. <laughs> <laughs> not Reaching! Grasp- Reaching, not grasping. It's what a fine review of Soundgarden. <laughs> <laughs> don't you twist my words, Mac. <laughs> But I have to say, like, it's it kind of sits in a place where it is just 90s canon. This song is indivisible. You ha- it is just what it is. It is Black Hole Sun by the band Soundgarden. And yes, there are some aspects of it that are absolutely fantastic. The vocal melody is wonderful. The delivery by Cornell, exactly what it needs to be, because of course it is, because it's Chris Cornell. Um, the choices that are made on the guitar in terms of tone and melody and all that kind of thing are great. But for me, like, there's not enough to discover in this song. I'm really you can probably hear it like I'm I'm struggling to talk about what's going on with it like I, I don't even, I don't even know how to really describe it you you listen to it like I actually think that this is uh better than the other Soundgarden songs we've listened to I think that's a fair call and I don't I don't necessarily think that it's not but it's more obvious it's already there like the work has already been done for Black Hole Sun you know what I mean like it's a classic it's a hit it's it's rock canon like they but are the, the kind of words that I choose to talk about this song with I think that this song is more interesting than the other songs because it has some like mixed textures. It isn't just Cornell doing his my friend vocals. There's actually some other Sorry, kind doing, of singing. doing his what? My friend <laughs> vocals. Oh yes. Nice a one. Rare one from the from the AMAC. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> what a guy. But um the psychedelic guitar solo is yeah. a bit different as oh, well. Dude. It's a good song. Yeah. I just I just don't know how to talk I, about it. Yeah, I think that this is it's still trapped by its its genre's confines, but it's the top end of that. Which is interesting because if you look at the rock legend, Chris Cornell wrote this in 15 minutes. He just banged mm. it out. Yeah. You know? Well, to me, Cornell's not even the most important part of this song. This is Kim Thale. Like, it's it's his beast. Like, not only does he have, like, that super distinct, like, like, that really, like, wailing, like, underwater sound on his guitar to start off with. When it kicks into that fucking wailing solo about halfway through, like, I think it sounds amazing. Plus his little treacly lead guitar through the whole thing. I, I love that. It just sounds phenomenal. Like, in terms of just guitar sounds and tones and knowing when and when not to play, like, I think he is a fucking master on this song. So I appreciate that, like, just from a songwriting and guitar perspective. I suppose I can see why this was their biggest hit. I can I can see the level of accessibility Absolutely. to what they're mm. doing. It's it's poppier than anything that we've encountered from Soundgarden before and probably yeah. anything else yeah. that exists and, in Soundgarden's and, and, discography. And, and, and it's not as hard-edged at points, no. you know. No. Like, 
it, it eases you into the harder parts. You know, it's which, so radio friendly, like, yeah. and that's why it's endured as a as a single even to now. Like, yeah, everything about it is just it's, so it I, screams classic rock single. Yeah. So I pay it, but I guess being a, a fan of this album and this band in general, you know, it's it's kind of something that you they it's almost obligatory to pay. You're just like, well, of course, you know, it's it's it, it makes sense, you know. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I'm trying to hit on as well. Like, it's the well-made rock song. Yeah, you know, so like you don't go nuts over it like you would like a, a like super fans will like go in for like a more obscure number or something like that. This this song just gets the it gets the acknowledgement, you know. Mm. I think there's a lot that we're touching on here in regards to the enjoyment of songs and what that you know what we're actually doing when we find songs to enjoy because like because this song is so out there and is so obvious like. What is it that limits the enjoyment of that? Like, why is it... It's having heard it so many times. Sure. Yeah, I mean, but why Why should that matter? Because I've heard a lot of songs a lot of times that, as much as this song, that I that I kind of get into a whole lot more. And it's not necessarily because, you, because, because they're better a, songs either. Because you have a particular attachment to Soundgarden. It's like if you say, like, I'm a very big, say, like, I like The Offspring a fair amount, like, for yeah. a pop-punk band. Yeah. But I'm not going to get down on the pop singles as much because they are so overplay and they stand as like all oh, right this is the pop song that got overplayed the shit from this album but you also know the album then that song stands as a misnomer on the output on the album because its context is far more radio single rather than so on an album is there something as well about that this style of song has it had more of a legacy that I think there's been more imitators of Black Hole Sun than there have been of Spoonman? That's maybe a valid point. Like, yeah. even, even like, I, mm. I, I've definitely heard this song more than the other Soundgarden songs, but I feel like yeah. I've heard this kind of song more than you've heard uh, those kind of songs. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you don't hear too many spoons. No. <laughs> no. There's only but one Spoonman. Like, I mean, I'm not, you know, particularly interested in it to start off with, but I, I, like, I just found less to discover in this song than that, and that's, even yeah. though I wasn't, you know, in love with the other Soundgarden songs. Each of them, I was like, cool. There's, there's some stuff happening here that I can get on board with. Um, you know, the tone of "Fell Under Black Days." Yeah. The energy of of John Spoonman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Even like, I quite liked the layers of guitars in the chorus of "My Way," but this is, this just feels like a big, slow, classic rock song. It goes for five minutes. I just, I can't, I can't do it. It is epic. Too At long. three minutes, I'm ready to be done. Hey, but... did any of you guys buy Kinder surprises when you were younger? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, had I, them bought for uh, Yeah. You know what we used to get, though? We used to get fucking Yowies. Mm. Y'all remember that shit? Yeah. They're coming back. Yowies are, yowies are less relevant to this to this metaphor, but oh, okay. probably, <laughs> probably, maybe the, oh, no, Yowies are good too. All right. Uh, but like, we're basically talking about any kind of toy that's encased in chocolate. You know that sometimes when you got the Kinder Surprises, you got, like, a speedboat you had to assemble yourself. Yeah. Mm. And that was fucking awesome. Yeah. But sometimes you just got a statue. Yeah. That just was just one solid piece. No moving parts. What the hell? Disgusting. Black, but it's still, like, then there's no reason why that should be less enjoyable, because it might be a really, really cool thing. But you just don't have to put it together yourself. I, I think, think there's clear reason why it's more enjoyable. Building a, a speedboat is better than getting a statue of, like, a rabbit. Yeah, well, you don't compare rabbits to speedboats, but let's say it was a solid speedboat, right? Just for the purposes of the metaphor. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe Black Hole Sun is, it's a solid the, speedboat. is the statuette and not the speedboat you have to put together yourself. The, it is you all here. To, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it it's is all so, here. I just think of it as a big, solid block. I don't know. Yeah. There's something in that. And it's not to its detriment, but it's it's, it's, it's not a, a terrible that's the type song. of song it is. Like, it it's works. a good, it's a fucking good song. There's no like there should be no surprise to anybody that this was a massive hit. No, like, exactly. Like, no, definitely exactly. not. Exactly. Yeah. 
It's very much a product of the time. Mm. I can't imagine discovering new things on further listens. Like, I listened yeah. to it a few times for this, but, like, I don't think... Yeah, no. It's I always don't think, be... like, the second time I was like, oh, I hadn't noticed that. Like, it's all there. Which makes it, I mean, on the flip side, it makes it a very reliable song. And yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about that. I don't know, yeah. like, the podcast that we do is where we talk about songs, and we talk about songs in depth. And I've just found this song mm. an incredibly easy song to listen to, but an incredibly difficult song to talk about. That's well, fair. It's, it's like being like overly critical of wholemeal bread I still want wholemeal <laughs> bread when I'm making a sandwich but it's there it's not the highlight of any meal it's essential oh my god can we there. do a podcast about bread that can we be... please I have strong opinions on bread I'm, I'm a duck and an- this sounds amazing another one this, we don't want to flood the market <laughs> <laughs> it's standard and it's there and it should be there but to be remarked upon it, it's just like, oh, okay, right. Of course you're going to have that on the sandwich. It has to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I went with kids' surprises. You went with homie or bread. My kids are going to like love me so much more than yours will love you. My kids are going to be pretty healthy, man. They're gonna, <laughs> just going to have a lot of bread. Oh, you can't give me that weight. From bread. Give me that weight. I, I, I know that it's a cliche. You can't have a from bread. We all know the saying. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, this is it. Is that it? really no more Soundgarden? There you go, Nathan. Oh. So that's huge to have an to have an album that has four songs in the hottest one hundred. Super unknown. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But then like that's it. Like that's you know. about it. Yeah. Well, this was the commercial. Where's the memory, mm. Triple J listeners? They're a real flash in the pan, much like French toast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to run over to the bakery as soon as we're done, man. Oh my god. Does anyone have any parting words for Chris and Co. Adam? Boardman. Thank you. Nathan. No, I don't. <laughs> but I, do, I haven't even hated Spoon... Uh, spo- I haven't even hated Soundgarden. <laughs> I'm just not that You're interested so in possessed that. To Chris and the Spoonman. <laughs> There's just not enough in there for me. There's some cool things that they do. It's not my bag. It's no, my- I actually have to say that I've, I've just rediscovered Soundgarden through listening to this countdown, and I, like, I now regard them more favorably than I did prior to doing this podcast for this year. And maybe even through that... 90s alt rock and grunge in general like I've, I've just kind of discovered the fun in it not judged it stopped hating just kind of embraced it been like this is you know this is fun just don't don't think about it too much just have fun okay I get it I get it yeah. defender of the defendant <laughs> <laughs> ouch not in this room no, you know true. what I mean and Andrew eyes if I can't think of any more bread jokes <laughs> <laughs> alright guys let's eat how fucking mad would you be if someone made french toast with wholemeal bread that'd be so bad oh, that'd be gross. so bad how much gross. of a like classic healthy mum move is that <laughs> yeah. I would be like I just use the egg whites and wholemeal bread is that okay no <laughs> no no it's fucking not are you saying you made two separate dishes because <laughs> I heard that you made french toast sweet yeah. Jesus I just whipped up an omelette and put it on your bread is that french toast no mum I'm moving no, out <laughs> we are putting away the guitars we are uh, putting away the drums we are putting away the bass guitar we are putting away the loud amplifiers and we are getting a fucking shit ton of pingers at number 21, this is Itchy and Scratchy with Sweetness and Light. They bass and snare. And bass and bass and snare. Bass and snare.
was itchy and scratchy. At number 21 in the 1994 Hottest 100, the little ditty called Sweetness and Light. So many little ditties, so little time. We're going to throw it to our resident rave king. Mm. <laughs> Uh, the man who is currently rocking a phenomenal uh, matching uh, fluoro tracksuit. Yeah. Uh, He's been up. You, well, you haven't slept last night, No, have you? Not I've a, never not slept. A, not a wink. How was that a, warehouse party? He's got standard of my life. He's got pigtails and uh, he's got uh, like a shit ton of glow stick wristbands. And uh, you're wearing roller skates. That's, mm, that's impressive. That's how I choose to live my life. Where do we begin? So I am, I, I am not a raver. Um, just in case Spoiler alert Who knows um, and, and I don't even really have that much of a connection to dance music I like I like a lot of electronica But dance music in particular Older mu- dance music Is not something that I have much experience with You're more IDM than EDM Yeah, probably <laughs> This song is a song that I heard about before I heard Right uh, From a lot of people who are a little bit older than me Sure And were into that scene Or sort of picked it up a bit after that But they spoke with it with so much reverence and respect that I was like, huh, okay. And so then listening to this song when I did some years ago the first time, I didn't really get it. I, I like I was trying really hard to cotton into this this idea that they had of this song and I wasn't there. But over the years since then, through many re-listens, I, I think I've I've started to build an appreciation that they do and, and I've certainly come to love this song a lot. I think this is gorgeous work to quickly look at context in a countdown with so much grunge and so much darkness even in the other dance stuff we've heard there's so much darkness there's Mm. none of that in this song it's all in the title sweetness and light like this is so joyous it's open it's wonderful it's so pleasurable that female vocal hook that little sample sample. that just scattered throughout it's gorgeous it is wonderful i love the way that there's not like a single backbone to this song that it keeps returning to it keeps rotating through like every melody and piece of rhythm and beat gets its own moment in the spotlight and it constantly cycles through it's constantly evolving it's 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 a gorgeous song yeah i i love it it's so much i totally understand now why it has the place it has mm. uh, such a high position in Australian music history. It's it's just an absolute joy. I'm very glad that it's here and yeah. we get to talk about it. The one thing I have to say about it is that there is a genuine feeling of being out on a dance floor and, you know, you've had a little bit to drink or whatever and you're just, you're there. And, you know, whatever's happening, you're there, you're by yourself, you're with friends or whatever, but it, at some point you're connected to the music and everything's just a bit hazy and you're kind of lost in it. And it's just like, it's just pure feeling. And I connected into that mindset just by listening to this song. For it to take the place just musically of drugs and of the club scene itself and of everything else that this song would normally be part of, for that to be encapsulated in the music itself is huge. Mm, but it totally. did that. And I think like what you said about it cycling through and evolving and constantly changing that's part of the haziness that's what you get lost in like this is a never-ending discovery inside this song mm. you know this is the speedboat you never stop assembling <laughs> you just it is absolutely that is it it is it's almost like a never-ending dj set inside one song yeah it took me a few listens to kind of connect to it the first time i heard it, i was just kind of like oh huh this is not i mean because i also had the idea of the legacy and yeah, the yeah, monument yeah. that this song was i also heard and i think on first listen it. it's just like oh is that it like there's there's not much in that but then but you keep no. listening and there's oh, so yeah. much in there. Yeah. And I think I think it's a lot more delicate than than a lot of dance music now. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But it doesn't sound old to no. me at least. Yeah, I think no. it's just That's the, the lightness and, and how open it is. Like I I can totally see this just being played in a in a club right now. And it's just like it's just lovely. It lifts. I remember being sixteen years old, um, like a dumb punk kid who just wished that his 
hair would stay up for more than a few hours. I remember thinking that anything under the techno moniker was just terrible and worthless. I hate this kid now. He's a terrible person. <laughs> and I certainly now listen to far more music under the electronic umbrella than the but guitar But do, do you find umbrella. a lot of joy in, in how angry he is at current you? Because I do, for, for my 16-year-old self. Like, he hates my yeah, music taste. Yeah, he doesn't like much my music taste. No, I don't think he would. Um, We've already talked about my... I went to a Fallout Boy concert. <laughs> when I hear this song, I think that kid had a point. Really? I really, really didn't pay this song. I listened to it like five times trying to find why it was so fucking revered. I oh. think this is <laughs> I think this is dumb drug music for dumb drug users. Wow. Alright, that's it. You you two on the floor right fucking now. I no, think no, that, no. I re I think that the beat is just like it just doesn't move you anywhere. And I this is the thing. I've I have an affinity for dance music to a certain degree. Yeah. I've done drugs. I've gone to dance things. Yeah, right, baby. I'm We've an, all got stuff going on. I'm an adult. <laughs> 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 Complaining about this, I feel like when I fucking complain about the Beatles. I think all the love of this song is tied up in nostalgia goggles. This song doesn't move me. I don't think this is a good song. But do you think oh. the fact that there are two people at this table now who are hearing it for the first time who have no nostalgic attachment to it, I, like, like, does that, does that I, counteract I, the nostalgia goggle thing a little it's bit? It's not first right. time for the podcast, but I, I mean, I definitely didn't hear it in 1994. No, but oh. I think the, the, there's a legacy attached to it, so you convince yeah. yourself that it's good. Okay. The, the thing is, I've heard songs that have been made earlier than this that do more interesting electronic dance things. I don't think I was trying to like it. I was okay with not liking it when I first pressed play. I remember thinking to myself as soon as it started, because that first time, I was like... Yeah, I was easy liking this, yeah. I was like, I, I, I'm okay if I hate this. I don't feel inclined or obligated to, to pay this song. But, but then again, I'm contractually obliged to like everything, so... You know, I've signed no contract. It's in the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I found myself really getting into it. The thing is, I don't feel like a... Like a desire to dance to this song. I don't feel that. I, I feel in that way the song is a failure. See, last I night before I headed you. out, I, I like, because I was sort of, I just put all the songs that we we're going to be talking about on today and I had it fairly loud and this song came on and I just like, I just danced for five minutes or however long it is. Like I just, I just had a really lovely time, like just having a fun little dance at home. I wish that I connected to it. Yeah. Because I, it, this is when I feel when someone tells me how good the Beatles are, I don't like the Beatles. This is exactly the same feeling. I feel like everybody has just got the wool pulled over their eyes or I'm an idiot. <laughs> Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you've, I, you've come to that conclusion through entirely reasonable circumstances. I, I, yeah, yeah I, you've I, shown I, you're working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You, just, you have yeah. a different answer to the rest of the yeah. class, but you've shown yeah. you're working, so half marks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not there. I, I tried. I really did. Yeah. I, I, I didn't listen to half of the song and think this is crap and close the tab. Mm. I, I gave it four or five listens. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm not there. That makes me sad just because like I've come to the point where I do get a lot of joy from this yeah. song. And then when I like even go back and like read other people writing about it back in the 90s, like I... I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm totally with you on that now. Like I, I share in this joy or whatever and, and it's sad that you don't. Mm. Story of my life. <laughs> oh. No, no, don't give me that shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're all right, kid. You're all right. <laughs> um, okay, so it's going to be a few years before we get to talk about him in some way, shape, or form. So uh, 
There's two Paul Mac stories uh, at this table. There's not. There's, there's four Paul Mac stories, I thought. <laughs> oh, I thought we all we had a story about Paul Mac. You, Paul Mac story. You, do you have a Paul Mac story? Briefly, I used to live across the road from Paul Mac in Erskineville. Um, he was a regular hoster of parties, and yeah. uh, he keeps his Aria in the toilet. It's a toilet roll holder. Nice. Nailed That's it. so good. Appropriate segue, when, uh, when he won that Aria for Best Dance Song in 1994, uh, he thanked the ecstasy dealers of Sydney. Which is which wonderful. I think is wonderful. Yeah. Which yeah. was beeped out completely. It was beeped out on the live feed. Um, censored. Yep. And even like quite recently, I read an interview where he said it's one of the, the things he's done of which he is most proud saying that. And you pay that, don't you, Nathan? Yeah. I think oh, yeah. Great. Like, good on you. He pounds that like, by the kilo, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he knows me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, in a way, I think it's kind of crass for a music industry to engage uh, commercially and critically with dance music and just ignore that side of it completely. Andrew, is that part of what what you what you don't like about it? Because I know you've no, been really you've I, been real I critical do, of like hits from the bong. For I example, do, I do hate drug culture. So do I. I, I yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm quick to say I'm, I'm paraphrasing uh, a good friend of mine, Nathan Harrison, here in saying <laughs> that um, drugs should be illegal, drug culture should be illegal. I think, right. I think it's fine. Like, Man, I'm straight edge, and I fucking I don't yeah, care. I don't, I, I don't have a like problem with. I, I don't think it's a, a drug thing because there's other songs that I probably even more explicitly tied to overindulgence that I like. I'm a spiritualized and promised Grames exactly. fan. Yeah. Like. Right. Yeah. Speaking of the Arias... Yeah, actually, I can segue in oh, as well. This is, this is so good. I so, mean, they're all just about Paul Mac winning an Aria. Mine doesn't so. segue at all. So, well, yeah. this was this was not the year that he won that particular Aria because I would have been a wee baby. five, <laughs> not old enough to go to the Aria. You wouldn't have got the ecstasy joke. As it was, I was barely old enough to go to the Arias. This particular year, I was quite young. I was in my early teens or whatever, and I because I was working at the radio station at that stage, um, and I was lucky enough to score tickets to go to the Arias uh, from the station because they just got them as part of an industry thing. And I got a ticket to go to the Arias, which I thought was super cool. So I was there at the, at the venue and whatever, the big, the big stadium where it was held. And I got a little bit lost at one point, just kind of looking for the bathroom. And I ended up at the backstage. And I only kind of realized that because I saw some people walking past. I was like, I remember you from the red carpet. I remember you from the it's Paul Mac and he was the only person who I recognized at that point and I thought well here's my chance to say hi to someone who I know for making music so I just went Paul Mac you're a legend and as he was walking past he kind of he turned around and he kind of gave me a bit of a look and he went hey man and then the security started walking towards me and was like no I shouldn't be here and so I left but <laughs> nice that was my story yeah, of meeting Paul Mac look. yeah okay so I have uh, a great interaction with Paul Mac. So this was 2011, I think, and I had just been at Oxford Art Factory literally the entire night. So I was one of the maybe 20 people that was still left at like 4:30 or whatever the fuck. Uh, we got kicked out while the Cup of Life by Ricky Martin was played. You know you're in a <laughs> fucked part of the night when Ricky Martin is getting played and everyone is losing their fucking minds. We all go out onto the street, but I run into Nathan Hudson, who sings in the band, Fa- or did sing in, at the time in the band Faker. And uh, we knew each other, you know, vaguely. We knew friends of friends and stuff like that. It's just like, oh, hey, Nathan, what's going on? Oh, hey, you know, just all hazy and fucked because it was 4.30 or whatever the fuck. It's just like... Yeah, we're all going up to the Oxford for a, for a nightcap. Do you want to come? It's just like, yeah, sure. Have you met Paul? And there's Paul Mack. Um, and so I get introduced to Paul Mack. And uh, so we walk into the Oxford and he makes a beeline for the jukebox. We're like the only fucking people there. He's So he's meticulously fucking going through. Just 
pumping in coins, just fucking going for it. And then he comes back, doesn't say a fucking word. And it was just like, what did you do? He's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then Round Round by the Sugar Babes comes on, which is an underrated fucking jam. (laughs) He gets up and fucking starts dancing and losing his shit with the guy that he was with. And not long after that, we realize he has gone through and picked every Sugar Babes video on the video jukebox and played them in chronological order. (laughs) Uh, So we get through that and then it goes to a Potbelly song and we're just like, did you pick this? And he just, while still dancing, goes, yeah, I produced this. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Next thing you know, it is 7.30 and I'm screaming at a hungry jacks with Paul Mac trying to get a McMuffin. That is wonderful. I don't always do fucking all nighters in Sydney, but when I do, he's a he's a good dude. So. Did you run into Nathan coming back from that warehouse? No. <laughs> You couldn't miss him. He was wearing oh, yeah. bright fluoro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was scooting down Oxford Street. Classic Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember him going past and just hearing, I'm going to live forever! Woo! He does have that on a that t-shirt. <laughs> and then he got hit by a truck. Oh, oh well. Rip. Gone yeah. too soon. Yeah. <laughs> Let him R.I.P. <laughs> like a fucking Beyblade. Arrest in peace. Nathan Harrison, he raped to the grave. <laughs> uh, this is a weird character assassination. That brings us to the end of the best episode of Honest 100 Thousands ever. I'm calling it. Before Have your we- say. Hashtag Honest 100 Join the combo. Yeah. Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites which I'm refusing to do because everyone's a winner this week. Oh, no. Fuck. David, dude, I can pick a least favourite. I know Andrew you. can. Everyone is a winner this week in their own fucking special way. The winner is Berlin Chair. The loser is Itchy and Scratchy. The winner is indeed Berlin Chair. And the fifth best, and I will stress fifth best because I do think there's something to be said about... Mo- uh, this is an incredibly solid bracket. Is Black Hole Sun because it's... Not a speed boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, w- I'm with you, Berlin Chair and Black Hole Sun, but mm. um, Sweetness and Light is, is like just underneath Berlin Chair. It's sure. like... Yeah. David, do it. Uh, <laughs> David. God. If you had to listen to one song right now, what would it be? Basket Case. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you had to listen to four songs right now, what wouldn't it be? <laughs> God damn it. Um, I guess... I guess sweetness and light because I have like the 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 least amount of relationship with it. Like, sure, I, but it's still it's it no, no, still no, 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 it, no, that's cool. Fifth best. It, it still Fifth lives. In, it still lives in Jam City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Mister Adam Boncher, cheers. On behalf of Mister Andrew McDonald, it's been real. And on behalf of Mister Nathan Harrison, I'm gonna live forever. Fuck yeah, you are. <laughs> My name's Dave James. I'm Dave James. I'm and we are rolling, bread rolling, you might say. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of The Starter. I'm Andrew McDonald, the podcast where we talk bread, bread products, and what you can expect from this week's bread. With me, as always, I have Mr. Adam Buncher. Mm, good bread. Mr. David James Young. Hello, sir. And Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bread to be here. Great. I'm very happy to hear that. 
We've all brought in our breads for this week, but yeah. I think I'll um, take the floor initially. I've brought in a, a lovely sourdough for us to all uh, examine, oh, not I try, can, of I course. I smell it from here. Yes, yeah. You, um, is this fresh baked this morning, of course? You can all smell it, and mm. of course, podcasting is the be- ideal medium for that. It is. Um, this is a bread that I've been working on for a number of uh, months with this the oh, starter. Right. Yes, yeah, been, mm. uh, been I've been feeding this starter a combination of our lemon juice and... Uh, um, edit this up for us. What's the white that you put in sourdough? Yeast. No, yeast no. is what you have. You feed Salt. it. Uh, You've got enough. 